Hello and welcome to BTA Charity Voices Podcast with me, Anne Hughes. In this Series 3 of the podcast, BTA is continuing its commitment to the charity sector by building on its existing bank of knowledge. Conversations in the coming months will focus on insights around innovation and collaboration from across the sector. Fortnightly, we will bring together charity colleagues to chat about how we're showing up in our organisations today and how we're innovating and collaborating to meet our ambitions. As always, we'll endeavour to shine a light on topics that are relevant to us all. Together with our charity partners, BTA continues to strive to ensure our sector has the tools and skills necessary to thrive. Hello and welcome back to BTA Charity Voices Podcast and today I'm delighted to be joined by the new Managing Director of BTA, Vary Cameron. Vary, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Absolutely delighted to be here. Yes. I can't believe it's 51 podcasts. So exactly. Amazing. We've been doing the podcast now for, gosh, uh, 16 months. So a lot of knowledge, a lot of insight, lots, so much. It's been wonderful going on this journey with colleagues from across the sector, I have to say, and meeting them all, virtually, of course, but meeting them all. Yeah. So yeah. we saw on social medias just last week that you are now the Managing Director of BTA. So what's happening at BTA? You know, and when we started this podcast, it was, you know, we, we, we spoke in depth about why we wanted to do it. And BTA has always regarded itself as a friend of the third sector, a partner of the third sector. And we wanted to give something to the third sector. And if that was insight onto people's careers, about issues within the sector, we wanted that to be quite pure and not about us, but about about the sector. And I have to say this podcast is, is absolutely different. I'm going to talk about us. Yeah. And if any of you think this is a big advertising campaign, then... So be it. It could possibly well be a big advertising campaign. But I think quite often people just see us as as, as a recruitment agency. And we're so much more than that. So I just thought today was an opportunity to to have a chat about that. And I think, you know, I think that's really interesting because I'm often in conversations and I'm telling people about what I do in the BTA podcast. You know, what is it BTA doing? I'm like, well, they're a recruitment and a consultancy organisation within the third sector. And not everybody knows exactly what BTA do you know a lot of people know what BTA do because we sort of assign up there when we're looking for a new job we go into their website but yeah. it's more than that isn't it so I think that 51 podcasts in it's okay you talk about what BTA yeah. is all about so that people I have that so. understanding I think so yeah so BTA started off as a consultancy Bruce started BTA as a as a, as a charity consultancy and recruitment came in after uh-huh. after that so our, our kind of core is consultancy yeah and you know recruitment is the thing that people see a lot because we advertise a lot about positions that are are available and um, so that's what they associate us with but the power of bta is really in the word associates we have some incredible firepower within our, our associate list people who are affiliated to bta that do our consultancy work for us you know, from very straightforward things like trust fundraising right up to, you know, complicated organisational reviews. And that's really where we can offer some incredible things to the third sector. Yep. And so in this new role as managing director, 
Let us understand what's happened at BTA and why now we've got a managing director. So Bruce is not leaving BTA. Bruce is still our CEO. However, there are a number of unbelievably exciting projects that he's involved with. That I can't, it sounds very cloak and dagger, but I can't really talk about them just now until we're ready to launch. But they're really exciting projects that will, will make a big impact on the third sector. Yeah. And that's drawing his time away from, from, from BTA's core work. The other thing that I don't think people realise is that we're, we're in more than one country. So we have Charity Careers Ireland, we have Charity Careers Canada. And we also have charity here South Africa, which is just starting. Yeah. So Bruce is spending quite a lot of time over in South Africa just now. So it just felt as though, you know, it was the right time to go and concentrate on some more exciting things and to let BTA develop under my guise for a while. Uh-huh. And I know, Vary, that obviously we've known each other for a very long time. I think probably we're almost 20 years now. So I've known you throughout my career in the sector. So I know you've got a depth of experience within the sector. So tell yeah. us a wee bit about what your eyes see when you sit yeah. in the managing director's seat. Potential. I mean, I think that's that's the exciting thing. We, we really like to think of ourselves as a very ethical organisation, we align ourselves, because Bruce came from the third sector and I did too, we align ourselves very, very much with the ethics of the third sector. And we partner with the third sector. So we're strategic partners with the COSVO. We're strategic partners with the CIOF. We do a lot of work with both. So we do have an ear to the ground about what's happening in Mm -hmm. the third sector. We understand the struggles that organisations have. And I think between the people who work at BTA, but also, again, those that are associated with us, we have a really clear knowledge that can help um, organisations make the most of what it is that we do. And that ultimately raises more money, can potentially save more lives, Yes, you know, can make, make the world a bit of a better place. And I think if I can be a part of that, then great. And I think we can actually do even more than what we've currently been doing, which is... Which is exciting. We're yeah. not at the end of the we're not at the end of the BTA rope. <laughs> you know, and it's interesting. I was just thinking there about the depth of experience that I know that you've got, that Bruce have got, that lots of the other associates within BTA have got. Wouldn't it have been interesting if you'd actually counted up and we should do this? The number of years of experience that you've got at BTA yeah. because it is substantial, and I think there's something unique about the third sector, isn't there? It's different from the private sector. And, and so often when I'm doing pieces of work with organisations, you know, you've got maybe inexperienced staff who have started a new cause and then you have a board who are very good in business but don't understand charity and they try to treat it like a business. But charity is not a business. Char- charity has to be treated differently. And actually, a lot of organisations need a guiding hand, don't they? Absolutely, absolutely. A lot of boards need a guiding hand. I mean, I think that's one of the things that we see regularly. There's a lot of amazing boards out there, but there are also some boards that have such great vision and great passion, but just need some some help. One of the, the pieces of work we do is just purely with boards, you know, about getting them to understand their roles and responsibilities, where those lines are drawn between what's their responsibility and what's operational and how much impact they should have in the organisation. And and even more importantly, 
what does it mean to be a trustee? You know, yeah. what, what does that mean to them as a person? Uh-huh. You know, and their legal responsibilities that surround that. And I think there's a whole education piece for a number of boards because that trickles right through, you know, start at, start at the board level, that trickles right, right through, through the, the organisation. If the board are very clean in their responsibilities, then that, that's a, a good yeah. start. And I thoroughly agree with that one. Um, you know, because we've had this conversation in the past that I have real worry about some boards that they don't actually even understand what they're sort of a consenting to when they sign up to be on a board. And yeah. and that worries me from the charity's point of view, but it worries me from the individual's point of view because there's actually quite a lot of responsibility and potential repercussions if things go wrong on yeah. a board. And if people don't properly understand that and they think they're just getting involved in something they can pitch up to once a quarter, then that's not okay because they could end up in a bit of a mess, couldn't they, Vary? Yeah, yeah, they could. And I think also on the flip side of that is actually to see the real benefits of being a trustee. Because it is such an amazing privilege to be able to be somebody who can guide a charity to do incredible work, you know? So... You've got both sides of that is how do you get the most out of being a trustee and also how do you make sure that you're fully educated about what the responsibilities are yeah. um, about being a trustee. So uh-huh. that's a piece of work that we do at BTA is work with boards. Following on from that, we do also an, a really other, an, a really nice other piece of work called Pathways to Excellence, mm-hmm. which is a strategic review of an organisation. So that's going into you know the whole organisation and looking at what it is that they do does their staffing support that mission? They look at their strategy. They look at um, their operational plans. We, we report back on how they're achieving against those plans. What could they be doing different to make sure that they're, they're maximising what's happening out there? And then we do an impact report at yeah. the end of it. So mm-hmm. you're doing this, but actually what is the impact that you're making, which is, a great thing if you're going to be doing trust fundraising at some point, yeah. um, you know, and for organisations who regularly do um, trust fundraising is that they're going to have, a, you know, a really meaty piece of, of information. So that's that's another another really key piece of work that we do. The offshoot of that is we might do um, smaller versions of that. So like health checks with departments. So that might be a service department or a fundraising department. Is everything within that department operating the way it should? Is it get the right staffing? Are they achieving what they need to achieve? All that kind of health report stuff, yeah. which is really vital to an organisation to hold the mirror up sometimes. It is, and I think what I've noticed in some of the work I've been doing recently is about the structure of the organisation. And so often you go in and you're a bit confused by the structure and you say, well, how did you get here? And very well-intentioned and done for the right reasons. They had the people they had and that's what they could do. So they put them in those roles and those people have maybe moved on. And that's quite a difficult role to replace. And it's actually, the structure's just a wee bit off. Maybe we just need to refresh this. And that's not to say that we're looking at the structure and everybody in the organisation should be scared that we're looking at the structure. It's just to say, what's the best way to move forward for this organisation in a way that makes more sense to the sector into funders and everything else, isn't it, Fanny? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, as I said, I think it's a really good thing for an organisation to do, you know, whether it's using us or even doing it themselves, you know, whether whatever that looks like is actually to to do an internal review every now and again. Yeah. Definitely easier, I think, as a third party to come in and have a very open view. Yeah. But, you know, that actually just sitting down and going, 
where are we? What are we doing? Why are we doing it? Mm-hmm. And do we have the people to support that? Yeah, I think is a really a really key a key thing for an organisation. Yeah, for sure. And so you yeah. also talked about the consultancy. It's where it's where BTA started, uh, yeah. and how Bruce started the organisation. Gosh, was it nearly twenty years ago now, Vary? I think. I think it's about six. 16 years, 16 yeah. or 17 years oh, ago. Yeah. yeah. And we actually knew that because David Craig, who was our colleague at the time, he, he yeah. left our, our organ and went to work yeah. there with Bruce. Yeah. So we actually yeah. really remember when BTA was uh, was set up. So what is the consultancy part all about? Because people sometimes don't understand what a consultant means. So yeah. from your point of view, what is what are the areas that you've seen that is most useful to organisations just now? Well, I've been talking about the things that consultancy would, would, would include all the things I've just spoken about, so uh-huh. pathways checks and health checks and all of those things would come under consultancy. And going back to, as um, we mentioning, the firepower of our, of our associates, that's where they really come in to their own because we have associates that cover almost every topic, you know, from sustainability and is your organisation really making the most out of being a sustainable organisation, both environmentally and longevity, you know, those uh-huh. areas. The trust associates that are, are writing trust applications for organisations. Yeah. The full gamut of experience in HR and finance and, you know, in, in all areas that affect the third sector. I haven't found an area of concern for an organisation that I haven't been able to provide an associate for. And I, th- that's not me saying that from having been three weeks in the post of, of managing director. That's me being with B- BTA for a number of years. So we're very adaptable. We've got, we do combinations of associates that can go in and do just, sometimes it's just reports. We do an amazing thing for an organisation called a scoping report. We go in and look at all trusts available and see which are pertinent to that organisation. We then do a full scoping report and present them with a list of over 100, possibly even more, trusts, when they should apply, how much they should apply for, what part of the business should they be applying mm-hmm. about. Yeah. And that means for a little organisation that doesn't have a trust fundraiser, they've got this great big piece of, of, of information that they're able to sit and work through. We also provide regularly provide case for support projects. So we will go in and do a day with a, a charity and flesh out exactly what it is that charity does and why they do it. Um, and that really is just looking at the whole operation of that charity and finding the story. Who are they? Where did they start? What is their mission? Where are they going? You know, what is the incredible story they've got to tell? Yes. And that document can be really meaty, you know, it's going to be a big meaty or meaty piece of piece of work. And it's all about the who, the what, the where, the when, the why, the impact, all of that. And then they've got a document that they can sit and pull yeah. things from when they're writing trust applications. And you know, and that's such so, an interesting one, I think, Fanny, because I'm doing that for someone just now and they they didn't want to pigeonhole themselves as such because they wanted to be led by the people in within their community. And actually it was I was very clear it started as a piece of fundraising work, but now I'm helping them with that. Because if you don't tell the story properly, it makes it really hard to get the funding. It makes it really hard to get any support because people don't understand what you are. And yeah. actually, once we started to do that, they started to see that, all right, okay, then we can stand by that because they were already doing it anyway. You know, yeah. I never took anything away from what they were doing. 
we just yeah. helped them get it a wee bit more succinctly so that yeah. they can tell and you know an elevator pitch they can tell in five minutes what it is the organization does and it's so important isn't it it's so important impact 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 candidates have got to be able to describe what difference they're making whether that's just sustaining status quo it yeah. could be you know yeah. it could be just sustaining something that's already there or it could be you know ultimately saving children's lives you yeah. know that we have got to be able to show them what their impact is uh-huh. um, and that's the thing we've got to to celebrate for them and show, you know the one of the things we should be leading in all the areas of fundraising uh-huh and i think especially with smaller organizations they start with really clear passion and purpose and they are just doing the job doing the job doing the job and they're very clear on what they're doing, but they forget that they have to actually tell other people yeah. that as well. And not just the people within their specific community, but people as in funders and other other stakeholders within the organisation yeah. too. Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. So the, the other pillars of BTA, so we have a recruitment side, as I said, most people know us for recruitment. And, you know, one of the things I would say about us in terms of what we do in recruitment, that hopefully makes us unique is that we are from the third sector. We do understand what charities need. Yeah. So we are an ethical recruiter and, you know, we do not headhunt. We absolutely refuse to do that. Um, it's a very clear line in the sand for BTA. And people sometimes don't understand that. You know, they'll phone us and say, I'm looking for a new job. Can you phone me when there's uh-huh. a, a job in, you know, trust fundraising? No, we, we won't you you know that that's one of the things we won't be doing we won't we won't be you know just randomly phoning people and asking them if they're looking for a job because we have an obligation to the third sector to allow them to keep their staff you know what we don't want to do is place somebody in a role and a year later pitch them move them to the next the next thing you know our priority is making sure that the third sector has got a good solid staffing structure and headhunting really undermines that and it's such a such a pillar probably of integrity isn't it when it comes to that because we all know you know i've been in my my career a really long time too and you witness people who take their team with them every job they go to and that's sort of a, a standing back and looking at that if you're in their team maybe you're quite glad but it would make me think, do I want to give them a job? Because at some point they'll just take my entire fundraising time and they'll leave. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, absolutely. and that people maybe have to be more cons- more aware of the fact when they're doing that. Like, yeah, they move on. They know the right people that are going to make the big splash. Sitting on the side of being on a board or being on a leadership team, I'd be thinking, but if we give, what if they just leave in three years and take everybody with them? Then what will yeah. we do? Because if yeah. you're looking a wee bit further down the road, then actually that isn't sustainable, is it? No, no, it's not. So that's, I mean, sometimes we get told, you know, why we get too many emails, we get too many job alerts in BTA. But one of the reasons that is, is because we want people to know everything that's going on out there. Yeah. We don't want you just to know that there's a, if we pigeonhole you as a, a manager of a, a fundraising team, why should you not know that there's a CEO position happening in a an organisation yeah. that's potentially within your reach? Yeah. Or a director's role, or it could be that you want to to slow things down and you actually want to just become a part-time um, employee somewhere. So 
I think it's also really wrong to start to pigeonhole people yeah. into into who we decide that you know that that's the kind of jobs that we want. Yeah. So we do shout a lot a lot about our jobs. We do use our database fully. Of course. Um, and I think even last week, the, the last podcast, the one before this, was about being a new CEO. And yeah. I had met Virginia and Ian, who Ian had been on the podcast anyway, but they were fundraisers who became CEOs. And that's yeah. perfect. Well, you straight to the example you're making, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's, I think it's vitally important that people understand, even just getting a perspective of what's happening in, uh-huh. in the third sector. Job boards are a really good place yep. to be able to see, you know, what's happening in the sector, what's the movement, you know, what's the mood, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. to now. Because we saw, you know, people predicted the big resignation after COVID and we 100% saw that. CEOs really felt the pressure through COVID and a lot of them felt it was time to just slow down yep. and take a back seat. So we had a, a massive wave of recruitment for CEO positions around about this time last year and you know that's you know a a symptom of what has been happening two years before so I think from our perspective we keep a really close eye on what's happening in the sector to predict what's going to be happening in recruitment so that gives us a lovely kind of story you know we've got the what happened what's happening in the sector and then actually what the outcomes of that in terms of recruitment Um, so that's our recruitment area the other areas we do are interim, so yeah. we have a full interim service. A lot of people put that in alongside what we do um, in recruitment. So if we're bringing in somebody who's potentially got a three-month notice period or, you know, it's a very senior job where you know that you're going to have a big gap, then the uh, an interim is a perfect, a perfect opportunity. We can package that up for a client. But also interim gives organisations some space. So... Yeah. You may have a we may have a founder who of an organisation who's been CEO for many years, who's looking to retire or do something new, and that can be quite a daunting person to replace for an organisation yeah. for a board. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to rush into recruitment because what do they put on the job description? Yeah. It's a really difficult thing to be able to take somebody with. You know, it doesn't even have to be a founder. Somebody who's been there for a lot of time, who just who who lives and breathes the organisation. How do you put that into paper? Yeah. Onto paper, and actually, should we just be directly replacing that person, or should we be looking at a different structure? So, bringing an instrument for six months gives a board some breathing space. It does, and allows them to do strategic planning and thinking through really, you know carefully what it is that they want they want to do so we have that service um we also have our knowledge mm-hmm. part of bta which is our training side of things so we do training days on trusts we do training days on we we did one um on sustainability um and environment you know key areas and again when we start to hear things that are happening in the sector and the same questions coming up then we know that that's an area of education that we should really be yeah. really be looking at. So that's that's our knowledge area. And finally, we also do digital, mm-hmm. um, and that's about databasing and reviewing databases and supporting databases and websites and marketing and anything that goes online. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I think, you know, in everything that you've just talked about and so much work, isn't it? But mm-hmm. I suppose what's really clear to me is that it could almost be uh, a one-stop shop because if one of your interims are in, then they can help with the structure and they can advise on various parts. And then you maybe need somebody and they'll say, well, we don't need a member of staff to do that. We could do that with a wee bit of consultancy a couple of times a year for trust funding as an example. So then it would be back to BTA for that. And now this is the structure. So now we want to recruit. So, you know, it's very much all packaged and it's done with consultants that know you really yeah. well and that, that know each other well. And therefore they could sit down together like almost an, a senior leadership team and say, right, what would be best for this organisation, given that we've yeah, done consultancy, sure. d- given that we've done interim, you know, and how can we package that together to make it the best yeah. the best thing for Absolutely. that organisation? Absolutely. And that and that does happen. You yeah. know, we've been working with an organisation recently that we went into to interim CEO work that then led on to, to reviewing their finance mm-hmm. end division. And you know that all of those types of things, and we've really worked hard for this organisation to get them in a really healthy place where they've now got a new CEO, and they've got, you know, we're we're bring in a new finance manager for them. It's just all that that happens together. So they're going to leave us feeling really healthy. Um, we did another really kind of beautiful holistic journey with it with an organisation, um, where they asked us to come in and do a review of their fundraising department. Which we did. We went in and did a full health check on their on their fundraising department, and that led on to them from the recommendations realizing that they didn't have a senior person leading their fundraising department, and that's what we really needed. So we then brought in. They weren't ready to appoint somebody, so they brought in an interim. So then we went through that whole interim period. Meanwhile, in the background, we're doing case for support work. Yeah. We're doing, you know, a whole, and that will eventually lead on to us doing um, the recruitment for the actual permanent person. So that's kind of the holistic journey of the of the ideal client. Do we want to walk away and go? Do you know what that that organisation is going to feel so much better yeah. now that we've been in there and you know giving them a good a good service? So, oh, thank yeah. you. I think that's just been a great sort of a roundup of everything that the BT does. And yeah, hopefully it helps that explain that. And I can certainly, you know, I'm thinking when people ask me, what, who's BTA? I think I'll maybe send them this episode of the podcast, Mary. Great, great. Uh-huh. Well, as I said, if anybody would like to have a chat, mm-hmm. you can get me at um, vary at com, And I'm more than happy to, to have a chat with them about what they might specifically need for their amazing organisation. Thank you, Vary, for explaining all that to us. And also, good luck in the new role. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on BTA Charity Voices podcast. If you would like to know more about the work of BTA or indeed access more of our knowledge and expertise, you can find all the info you need at our website, www.brucetateassociates.net. Here you can also sign up for our newsletter 
vacancy alerts and webinars for professionals within the charity sector.